Miss Macintosh, my darling. Chapter 22.2 I wonder, she said gruffly, clear in your throat, whether I could possibly induce you with your lily-white hands to sew a button on my Sunday shirt. What of your housewifely duties, my dear, your share of the bargain? As to the socks, there seem to be no two socks which will mate, she continued, morose and grumbling. The heels are full of holes. One golf sock is checkered and one is of some other color. And what a sorry appearance I should make on the golf course if I were ever to think of such a luxury. Of course, maybe it makes no s- of course, maybe it makes not so much difference here on this old beach, she added, almost dreamily. But what of the city? Things had come to a sorry pass when she could not find the clothes to cover her. When in the morning she hardly knew which way to turn, trying to put herself together so that she should make an at least respectable appearance. What if I had to go out for business purposes, she asked. What if I had to earn my living by the sweat of my brow? What kind of wife will you ever make to a good man, one who must earn his living in the busy places and be seen by his fellow men? Here's Norwegian, Norwegian shipping. Here's a great storm. Look at the bottom drawer and tell me what you see there. It was there she kept, as I well knew, her gray yarn. Bunches of old rags used for dusting and polishing, her spare canvas corset that was also water-stained, her darning eggs, a baseball autographed by a dead St. Louis cardinal who had been a friend of Perone's and was Mr. Spitzer's favorite, to make a home run in this new season playing against the incorruptible Brooklyn Dodgers, or some such outfit. This souvenir, which Mr. Spitzer had thoughtfully passed on to her, Mr. Spitzer, though he knew nothing of sports except by indirection, had been, as he had explained, the brother of a man who was a great lover of sports, even though always a bystander. Miss Mackintosh had been, she always loudly stated, the best baseball player in little old what cheer, playing baseball every Sunday. She had made the quickest home run ever made. Her brothers had said it was as fast as if she had never left base. Georgia had run faster than any of them. Already, as I lingered crumbling breadcrumbs onto my plate, wishing I might have a slab of marble birthday cake or of wedding cake, Miss Mackintosh had turned back to her current events, forgetting me for some new injunction, which I had always heard before, the fact that I must mend my manners. Her voice, rising and falling, pursued the day's news, that which seemed always the same news. This was surely the second major storm blowing off the coast of Norway or Portugal, off the Canary Islands, or the Islands of the Blessed, or the Islands of the Dead. Eat your oatmeal. Straighten up your shoulders. Well, if you will not, then do not. Take time by the forelock, she suddenly cried, her loud voice booming as the crystal prisms of the chandelier danced above our heads with pale, reflected lights, the rose and green and gold of some chromatic apparition. We will have no errors, no dawdling, so long as I shall rule the roost here. I drive with a tight rein. God's errors are God's own. What created God on Monday? A very busy day. Do you remember God's creation on Monday? The firmament in the midst of the waters to divide the waters from the waters of the waters, the waters above from the waters beneath? Don't bite your fingernails. It's a heavy sea running. Her voice now droned. We are running against the tides which overwhelm us. What appears the dry land? Where appears the dry land? Tuesday or Wednesday? Last or next? What's the starboard? What's the larboard? What's the fore? And what's the aft? The longer the orbit, the longer the planetary year, and the longer it would take to circle time, some people said. But she was one who doubted this. 
Time was circled in a single week. Siberian wheat, she was pleased to observe, was grown successfully in some of our western states, where the climate was similar to that of Siberia, where the winters were as long as those on some other star. Cold struck everywhere. Cold was no respecter of climates. Cold winters struck the Dakotas. Grouse ate the buds off the white cherry trees in long winters that were blanketed with snow. This old New England coast had seen some rough weather, too. The American, divorces, the American divorces were increasing, and soon there would be more divorces than marriages, she said. It was a wise child who knew his own father, but she knew hers, make no mistake about it. Here was a man who had found a hen's egg laid in his high silk hat. What might she find laid in her hat some dripping chilly morning? Here was a woman arrested for stealing her husband's false upper teeth and pawning them, then stealing his lower in order to get his upper out of hock, then stealing his upper in order to get his lower, then pawning his lower to get his upper. So the judge had granted him a divorce, and now he'd have to pawn his teeth, as Macintosh supposed, to pay the alimony. And there were many other items which showed how badly the world was going. God created man on Friday, the sixth day of the week, according to the best of authorities. But it seemed a shame. Today was Friday. Your goose flies too high. Man is man's wolf, she said, blowing her broken nose, grinding her false teeth. Homo homini lupus, according to the Latin proverb, and I know no Greek, less Latin, less Hebrew. The sheep cannot guard the sheep against the thief, and old dog barks at nothing. Ah, oh, it's a confusion of tongues, the very Tower of Babel that's plain to be seen. We must catch the old devil by the tail. I am told it was made of the burning stars. He sat next to God, and he thought that he was smarter than God. Her face drifted on, high and scraping and sad, for now she would have come to the obituary columns, the columns which advertised real estate for sale. Old Newport houses with boarded windows, hunting lodges with family portraits, the things she would not have for love or money. The first thrashing had its origin, I have no doubt, in heaven, and one fell. He was fallen from morning until seven o'clock, from evening until morning, dragging the stars with him. Sometimes you can see a star falling now. Old bull fiddles going at a low price. Piano tuner wants job. Which state of the evening is named for its green mountains? Which for its snowy peaks? Here's a horse, he, she said, that is half-brother to an old plow horse and has won the famous steeplechase at Aintree, where is the dreaded water jump, that where many horses fall with their riders. It should interest Mr. Spitzer. Here's a horse of a different color. Differences of opinion, she would suppose, made, of, for, made for horse racing, a very luxurious sport. Many jockeys broke their heads, but those who broke their heads in sport should not complain. It was her flat opinion. Here were the names of some very interesting horses. Royal Flamingo, son of Speedy Moon, who manhandled Hercules' pride yesterday at sunset. Thine of mine, who beat by a nose Trinitarian in the Bahamas Monday last night. And God created the light. Here were horses running in a heavy fog. A heavy wind blew the horses to starboard. A horse had won in that way when it would win in no other way. Here was a racetrack, Pimlico, still dead from the heavy rainfall, a fact which doubtless should interest Mr. Spitzer if he had noticed it. Here was an old trainer making his deathbed statement, complaining that all his best horses were dead. Mud changed the course of a race, mud changed the complexion of a horse. Here was a muddy, muddy horse which none should recognize, for even the jockey's colors were coated by gray, and the race had been run long ago. Here was an abandoned racetrack. Cobwebs stretched over the canopy grandstands, empty bleachers, old flags drooping, no scoreboard, a lost and grassy track, Miss McIntosh intoned. The kind of thing which should interest the late departed Mr. Spitzer. What was the world coming to? Here was a cockfight, and here was an ostrich cart race, and here were dog races. Fashionable people were going to church on Sunday morning to hear a preacher who wore the dress of a clown. He wore a tall peaked hat with a white rose. It was getting so nobody knew who anybody was. 
If anybody asked her, Miss McIntosh would say that all preachers were clowns, but nobody had asked her. Dog races indeed. What next? Dog races in heaven as on earth? Bowling is better. From bowling develops the right arm. Oh, my poor arm. She approved, though, always would approve of healthy sports. Running, jumping, restoring one's circulation, playing leapfrog in a windy garden by the sea where the great breakers, breakers rolled. I thought of Mr. Spitzer and wondered where he was. I thought of Mr. Spitzer, the departed, the departed one, not the gentle, retired, meditative musician to whom we were accustomed, but the other, the brother I had never seen. His life had been both gregacious, gregarious, and mysterious. He had often been seen at the race tracks, putting his bets on the daily doubles, the long shots, those with such great odds against them, and yet those which always came in first, the dark horses, the doped horses, even the dead fillies. In fact, he had sometimes been seen double, standing in two places at once, both on a street corner and at the horse park, some people had said, not having known that Mr. Spitzer had lived. It must have been Peron at the gates or window, Mr. Spitzer at the street corner trying to decide whether or not he, could cro he should cross the street. If he had been his brother, he would have tossed a coin. Miss McIntosh's voice intruded sharply, for she would still permit no errant daydreaming, even now when it seemed to me that the whole world was a madman's dream. Must be very attentive, very sharp. What is the greatest corn-producing state? What is the correct Chicago time? In what latitude is Seattle? Common stock watered, securities floating, fleet sunken and all hands lost. How to recognize the coming storm? What is a hurricane sky? What is the color of opal? If a ship sinks and no one sees it sinking, and there are no survivors to tell that it has gone, how tell that it has gone? What is a monsoon? What is a mongoose? What is a man? How revive a drowned man? What were the rules for life-saving which I should have memorized? What was a life buoy? Priceless, she read aloud, tallow for candles, harness, leather, tarpaulin, mariner's rope, sledgehammers, shirts going and day jobs, slightly damaged by fire and flood, damaged church bells. The evening primrose will soon be out. The neap tide is the least in the lunar month. Perhaps she should order a dozen out of her life savings. For all had fine percale fronts, the best which Bond Street could offer to a poor woman, and the damage was hardly visible. She needed a dozen. A dozen neap tides, I thought at first she meant, but no, she must mean a dozen shirts of excellent tailoring. What would she do with so many in this restricted life, and why did I feel as if I were half asleep? I was only half awake. On the other hand, she said shirts were a luxury she could not afford. The old worn clothes she had would probably outlast her old worn body if the holes were patched. Fine clothes were for those who traveled, for the rich who flitted from spa to spa. She was not thinking of taking any long journeys for her health's sake, failing though it might be and very fast. Her work was still here. Old-fashioned celluloid collars were going two for a nickel in a flooded Boston basement. Well, she remembered those old-fashioned celluloid collars and paper collars, too, the kind her old father had worn in an old wet chair. Here was a recipe for gooseberry tart made of sea gooseberries, and I must learn to cook and sew for any possible husband, to serve my lord and master, and be a modest wife to the poor little carpenter or shoemaker who might yet make his appearance. I should remember that those who fall in love are always blind and do not see the flaws. All in all, my dear child, she said, turning another page, but seeming to read it upside down. There is no news today that was not yesterday. Man does not change his nature. The morning is like the night, but the stars are hidden. The light is hidden in the light. Did you throw away my party dress for a punishment? I asked, wearily, tired of all this mental wandering, which I now I recognized even in her. She was almost as evasive as other older persons I had known, some who existed only in my haunted dreams of early childhood. There was something she was trying to evade. Why otherwise should she have asked so many questions? 
What difference to me, either the lonely arc archangelic grandeur of God moving over the face of the dark waters Sunday, beginning the fable of creation, or now these current events of Friday, which seem themselves phantasmal like the dream of another world, the facts so fleeting and unrealized. What difference to me that a cargo of English setters and pointers had reached Boston Harbor Tuesday, last just before nightfall, and were in quarantine? That a Turkish emissary had arrived by the same boat, and what difference to me that there were two stars in the Great Bear, the lines which joined them pointing nearly toward the North Star, of which the absolute location was only human guesswork, we being but the occupants of these poor tenements of clay. What difference to me that a shipment of human hair had gone down into the waters? Should I mourn because a man I had never known had been killed by a seashell while walking on a lonely beach? How could these remote facts, these distant matters, change or influence or magnify my life so out of relationship with the external world which I had never seen? Miss McIntosh, her voice coarse grain and severe and certain, doubted that the heavens should be alterable in our brief life's lifetime, they having been perhaps God's climactic masterpiece, that roofless cloud work, more comprehensive than the work of any mortal tinsmith. But this poor earth was in a very sorry state, and no one had yet found the cure for cancer. I shall dance again, even with my own shadow, Miss McIntosh. You cannot stop me, I said. Youth was a joyous state of mind, an acceptance of life, and what did any older person know of my desire for a perfect happiness? Where were all human beings equally evasive, surrounded by clouds of chance and doubt, by opaque ignorance no morning light could penetrate? And, where, and were there such dark things in the heart? How was she different from any other, the highest or the lowest? She chose to ignore my daring question as to the present whereabouts of a torn party dress, to ask, with a sudden onrush, those quest questions which might serve as a blind to a restless spirit, for perhaps she saw that I had already dismissed her, and all those sterling values of common sense which she had preached. Already my mind's shuddered eye, I had forgotten where I really was, and was dancing to the muted, tinkling sound made by the crystal prisms of Mr. Chandelier, who shook like a frozen tree in the icy wind, the sound as of showers of orient pearls or hailstones falling from the upper firmament of water to the lower. Had she asked no further questions of me, I might never again have questioned her. I had forgotten Miss Mackintosh. Her false teeth rattling, her eyes watery and vague, but sunlit with fugitive radiance, the red, marceled top of her burnished head gleaming like the sunrise or like the sunset in chalky midwinter, some sub-zero climate where the day is almost indistinguishable from the night's streaked, livid darkness, she asked, and it seemed to me that her cheerful voice was haunted by another's, sad, imploring voice, which I could almost recognize, for surely I had heard it before, perhaps in the distant past, perhaps in the treachery of wakeful sleep. Where are those towers of gold which God created before creation officially began? Where is that sea of jasper and of light? Name clouds, early cloud formations, positions of lost constellations. Describe that heaven which is filled with mirror's tails, the cirrus merging with cirrostratus and altostratus, the cirrus merging into cirrocumulus, which is known familiar, familiar, familiarly as the mackerel sky, the practical importance of these to farmers and navigators and men. Gales may check tree, tree growth, salt may stunt and twist. Salt is wedded to this damp air. Old lace curtains offer, however, tolerable protection for bushy crops like currants and gooseberries. Where is James Bay? Where is the Sea of Oz? Azov. Where is the Coral Sea? Where is the North Pole? Where is the South? How would you know the difference between them if you were set down by either? By what stars, birds, signs? What is the North equ Equatorial Current? And what the countercurrent which runs the other way, my dear? 
Where is the Sargasso Sea? A sea of grass that's colored red and gleams with tiny shells like flowers. Sometimes, too, you'll see the lobster, the stinging ray. Sometimes you'll see the dead quail in the seagrass. Where are the world's great oyster beds? And what was the greatest pearl ever grown? Where are the Gilbert Islands, the Falkland Islands, the Shetland Islands, Coronation Island, Henrietta Island, Bay Marguerite, Port Royal, the Suez Canal? You may need to know. The waters, the islands of the world, the hurricane belts, the horse latitudes, those of high pressure and calms of light, baffling winds, which she named them all, I wondered as her voice continued, almost dreamily, like something heard in an opium-colored opium -colored sleep. Where is Fingal's cave? Where is Victoria Station? Where is Charing Cross? Where is Tro Trojan's column? Where is Cleopatra's needle? Where is Mount Pishgah, my dear? Where is Mount Everest? No, among the Tibetans is Chomolungna. Where is Mount Ararat, said to be that mountain where Noah's Ark was foundered with couples of all animals, and shall they ever meet? Were there butterflies in the Ark? Were there sleepers on the waters? Where is Pike's Peak? Where is old Jessup Land far to the north? Sometimes on Glacier there's a tidal crack, my dear. Where's Herbert Island? The walrus ground is all just off Herbert Island. Where's Cape Albert Edward? Where's Queen Maud Mountains? An Arctic, an Antarctic range. How high, how long, and what grows there if nothing grows there but ice and snow? The old snow, the young snow. Snow may age. The young snow gathers between the hardened packs. The mountains, the hills, the valleys, the rivers of the world, the glaciers with their vertical faces and crevices, the bays, the inlets, the narrow streams, the waterfalls, the annual precipitation of rainfall, the frequency of frost, the formation of ice caps, the nature of thunder, lightning, the hailstones, the definition of a gelding. Where grows the winter cherry and what land? Where is the sole nesting ground of the Kirtland's warbler? First sighted by an English ca sea captain off the Bahamas, species almost extinct, seldom seen in this world. Where upper, upper Michigan Peninsula? Her voice was once again thin, scraping, and sad, as she described the nesting place preferred by the Kirtland's furtive warbler, the low scrub, the sand where it could not be easily seen. Should we pass to mortal history? Should we briefly consider it, she asked, just as we were passing away? Should we consider, consider the mistakes of men, their lack of mature judgment, the fact that, as she had always said, gray hairs had brought no necessary wisdom? She turned again toward her newspaper, the day's news, which never seemed to exhaust her interest, and I wondered, where was Mr. Spitzer this morning? And should we see him again in the evening, or perhaps tomorrow evening's light? The same familiar gentleman, his hair tinted a chestnut brown, but slightly streaked with gray, to make him seem much younger than he was, to make him seem more like his dead brother who had departed this mortal life with his first gray hairs. So Mr. Spitzer had never gotten any grayer. Where's Mr. Spitzer, Miss McIntosh? I asked. To be more friendly, I added, do you think we will see him again this evening? Out on business, she replied. She was not thinking I knew of the other Mr. Spitzer, whom he whom I referred to, the dead brother, that drifting, gifted man who had gambled his brief life away, his own and his brother's money, the whole or almost the whole of their patrimonial inheritance of which they had been equal co-heirs, with share and share alike, their twin estates, <clears throat> the mutual effects, the assets, the liabilities, the remainders, their leases, fees, Mortgages, bonds, chattels, goods, paraphernalia, shared communally, things corporal and things incorporeal, all of which are almost all have been lost at one fell blow. Perone had never cared for these twin arrangements, even during his life, and had lived in an apparent disorder, always introducing incalculable elements or discordant notes or a third party. The disorderly environment in which Mr. Spitzer lived was like Perone's now, Mr. Spitzer having had to give up those twin arrangements so dear to his orderly heart. 
He had had to give up the townhouse with its twin gardens, twin Apollos, twin parlors, twin mirrors, with identical frames of canthus leaves, twin fireplaces, twin hourglasses, and twin musical clocks, sets of twin fire dogs, twin candlesticks, twin stairways, twin bedrooms, all the symmetrical arrangements of which Mr. Spitzer had been so fearfully proud. What remained was almost nothing, just a few odd city lots grown over with weeds, a few old lobster dories with broken bottoms, rotted wharves and empty buildings and sunken ships, broken signs, old birthday parcels of which the strings had never been untied, old heirlooms without mortal value, old glass brooches, pieces of water-stained silk wrapped around old figureheads. But she was not thinking, of course, as my mother might have, that the living brother was put into his grave and that only the dead brother was left. Poor musician, unburied in the sunlight, for such a mistake would surely not have been sensible. And she was a sensible woman, reading the morning newspaper.